This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 478 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Total Saddle Fit. For this month's edition of the USDF episode, we're going to talk about the adult amateur equitation classes and the new safe sport program adopted by the USEF, as well as introducing the third book of our monthly book club. This is Reese Koffler-Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hi, Phil. Hi, Reese. Welcome to a new month. Uh, I know. I didn't. Wasn't it just April? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know about anybody else. This summer seems like it is flying by. I cannot believe it. It always does. It always yeah. does. So you get used to it. But it's uh, just go, go, go. It's true. Worry about it. Worry about it later. Yeah, it's very true. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, how are the horses? Horses are good. We're happy, happy. Um, just sort of have a bit of a down week. Sure. Um, sure. We're going to gear yeah. up for next week. I think we might do some some educational opportunities or some stuff going on in Ontario, um, you know, the next couple of weeks. So there's um, some cool stuff happening. You know, maybe I'll get some. We'll get some reports and, and tell you all about it after it after it goes. Should <laughs> have after it happens. I love it. <laughs> that sounds great. That is very cool. Well, we have some literally breaking news. It just came over the internet um, that the US, um, USA Region 3 team won the junior medal. The Region 4 was silver and Canada Central was the bronze for the juniors. And for the young riders, Canada. Our Alberta uh, slash Quebec team wins gold yes. medal. Yesterday. Won the gold medal. How Congratulations. cool is that? Yeah. Congratulations to everybody involved. <laughs> that is really cool. We love it. Fantastic. Yeah, so, so you guys have all your, what is it, seven or eight regions? Yeah. Um, what, what we do is we will typically send one or two teams. You know, Sometimes we only have enough riders qualify to send one team. But if we have more, then what we do is we you know, sort of combine regions. So Alberta is a province that's way out on more west coast. And Quebec is considered a little bit more East Coast. So they combined to a team. And then Ontario had a team that's, you know, the most central of our province. That's where most of the people are located in, in Canada. So we usually have enough riders to make one team from them. And we combine a couple of regions and we send, you know, one, two, I think maybe even once we've had, once or twice, we've had three three uh, regions qualify. But um, that's how we do it, so so that you don't get confused that you know you know why do we have more than one team depending on the year. That, that's that's awesome. how it's done. So yeah, yeah no, so I remember that Alberta slash Quebec. Yeah. So those are combining two regions on opposite sides of our country together to have a great team. Obviously, to, to obviously make, that is yeah. really cool. How much do we love that? That is great. <laughs> we love it. So I, yeah, I think congratulations and good luck toward to the individuals moving forward and um, looking forward to the weekend. I'm sure. I know, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. I'm sure all the parents will be w- w- looking forward to it maybe being over. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of stress, right? And a lot of yeah. travel and a lot of stuff, you know, starting at the beginning of beginning of the year and culminating in this fantastic event. So Yeah, I love it. 
I love it. Well, very cool. Well, and for everybody, a reminder, next week we're going to go over, it's our second book club that we're going to, we're going to actually go over. And that is 55 Corrective Exercises for Horses by Jacques Ballou. So we're going to go through that next week. How, how are you enjoying the book? To that for sure. how, how, how are you? I really like it, actually. No, yeah, I'm really I liking think, it. And, and yeah, I think, I think it's, it's, uh, it's really helpful. got some interesting stuff. And we're, we're pulling horses out of the stalls yeah. to try the exercises. I know it's true, and we're like, okay, come on. But like Let's I said, I I have some some issues with with one of my horses with some of the things. So with the proprioception type stuff. So uh, Big Mike, he's having to do some things that he didn't think he was going to have to. So I think it's great. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> really good. On, it's really helpful. Later on, we're going to be introducing the third book. We're really looking forward to this one. This is my favorite. I'm going to give you a little teaser that it is a dressage dressage book. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's my favorite book. Strictly. I think yeah. I've ever, it was most influential for me. So I'm really excited we're doing it. So um, so we're looking forward to that. Well, we're going to um, step away for a commercial break and come back with a really important message from Sonia Keating from the USEF, actually. Founded in 1973, the United States Dressage Federation has become the largest organization to represent a single Olympic equestrian discipline. At nearly 30,000 members strong, USDF is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org to learn more about USDF education, competition and award programs, and to shop our online store. Again, that's usdf.org, your online destination for dressage. Well, tonight for our USDF show of the month, we are talking with Sonia Keating. She is the Senior VP and General Counsel at U.S. Equestrian. Sonia, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, we are really happy you're here, and we're really talking about something that's really important uh, that is now coming from U.S. Equestrian, but affects every USDF member and every USEF member. We're talking about the Safe Sport Program. Can you just tell us generally what that is. Yes. Yeah, so the safe sport that we commonly refer to it is a movement that is aimed at ensuring that all of our athletes can train and compete in an environment that is free from all forms of abuse. So the intention is to cover different categories of abuse, such as sexual misconduct, physical misconduct, emotional misconduct, bullying, hazing, and harassment. So it really covers everything. So tell us a little bit about sort of what we as members can do and where are some resources we can find some more information? Well, the first first thing I would like to tell you is that we do at US Equestrian, we do have a page that is dedicated to safe sport. Um, if you go to usef.org on our homepage, at the top, you'll see a link to safe sport. And that'll take you to a page that provides a lot of resources. Um, those resources include our actual policy that defines the different forms of misconduct. It includes reporting information, where to report if you have a reasonable suspicion that, that any of this has occurred. It provides links to training. Uh, there's one that's specifically designed for parents. Um, there's another one that is designed which parents can benefit from, but it's not specific for parents but for adults. And there's other resources too that are available for survivors of sexual abuse. There's a 24-hour hotline with Rain that uh, we've partnered with that organization, and there's additional resources available too. So we would encourage everyone to take some time and visit that page on our website. 
Absolutely. And it's actually super easy. We were all talking about uh, right before we got you on the call. It's very easy to click on the on. It's right on the top on the safe sport. And right now for for as a certified instructor, I took the training. There sounds like there's been updated since I took the training. It's a requirement for us to take it. And I will tell you, you know, I'm not a parent, but I have I'm very close to my nieces and my nephews. And I will tell you, I am really glad that I took the training just in general uh, for general information. And I even told my sister and my brother and my sister-in-law, everybody, uh, that they should also go on and take the training because it's really, really good information. And And it's worth anybody taking some time. So tell us. Who at this point is is needs to take it, or how is that working for the organization? Sure. So right now, you know, we do have a few categories of of people that are required to take it. That includes all of our staff, our board members, all licensed officials, and then there's other categories of individuals that that USCF have contracts with that are required to take it, such as our chef to keeps, the coaches for our teams team veterinarians, and anybody else that falls into kind of a broad category where they're in a position um, where they could influence um, the outcome. So that would include our selectors, and that pretty much covers, that covers most of it right now. For any events that USEF is uh, conducting, for example, if it's a clinic then we would require clinicians that are going to be working directly with athletes to take it as well. And and there is a physiotherapy program, and those individuals are required to go through the, the safe sport training as well as the criminal background screening. So as someone who used to teach riding lessons, now the minority of my clients were children, but of course there are kids everywhere when you're in a bar and you have kids. Why did the U.S. equestrian start the safe sport program? How did it become a thing because I went to the the page on the website and it's very thorough and there's a lot of really good information. So I'm dying to know what got Yusef involved in this. What, why did it start? Well, that's a great question. Um, if we dial back to about um, 2008, uh, following the Olympic Games, um, there were a lot of claims that were made against um, USA Swimming and coaches uh, concerning sexual abuse. Following that, we saw in a lot of the other sports, they were making these, these headlines about um, these um, complaints that were made involving minors and, and athletes, and um, typically it was coaches. And so the USA Swimming was the first one to actually develop a formal program that was known as a safe sport program. Um, the U.S. Olympic Committee at that time identified that you know there's a, an issue that's common across all sports. And they needed to develop some sort of criteria to ensure that um, all of the sports were were able to address and, and manage these types of complaints. And so in 2011, U.S. Equestrian got involved, part of a working group led by the United States Olympic Committee, at looking at putting together some resources, which eventually led to minimum criteria, that each of the sports on the Olympic program, including equestrian, um, would adopt and adopt into a safe sport program. And following that involvement in about the 2011-2012 timeframe, we formed a task force and we tried to cover the spectrum on representation on that task force. Um, Actually, George Williams from USDF was a member of the task force. 
we had someone who had been a young writer because we wanted a young perspective. We had a parent. Um, we had somebody from outside equestrian that was from another sport that had a lot of experience with um, in this in this particular movement. And we were looking at the minimum criteria that the that the United States Olympic Committee um, was was setting forth, and then what could we do, and how could we develop a formal program for our sport? And so, as a result of that, in 2013, our board adopted a at the time we referred to it as a safe sport handbook. And that handbook contained five different strategies um, that we would utilize to try to address and the issues and ensure safe training environments and com- competition environments for our athletes. At the time, we referred to it as a athlete protection policy. Um, we had the criminal background check screening that certain individuals were required to successfully complete in order to perform in a particular role. Um, the safe sport training, and then we had a reporting policy and, of course, an enforcement policy. So that has changed some since 2013. You know, we've we've learned a lot, um, and there have been some changes in terms of what the best practices are. And now we have what we refer to as the safe sport policy, but all of those strategies that I mentioned are contained within the safe sport policy. So I see on the on the webpage, I'm surfing around there right now, you have resources for people who are victims of any kind of abuse that is covered w- within this program. Who can report suspected or abuse? Can, is it only the victim or can someone who is witness to it, so to speak, report it as well? So anyone can make a report. They do not have to be a victim. They do not have to be a member of U.S. Equestrian. Anyone can make a report, and anonymous reports are accepted as well. And what's important is that in 2017, in March of last year, an independent entity launched, launched known as the U.S. Center for Safe Sport, and it's based in Denver, Colorado. It was authorized by Congress in February of this year, and that center is the only national center to deal with sexual misconduct in sport. And so it has exclusive jurisdiction over all the reports of sexual misconduct that arise from the Olympic sport. So in other words, if there is a um, reasonable suspicion that sexual misconduct has occurred and that the person who perpetrated that or the person that, you know, is accused to have engaged in that conduct if that person is under U.S. equestrian's jurisdiction, then the U.S. Center for Safe Sport has jurisdiction, and they um, conduct the investigation. They also resolve and make a determination as to whether a violation occurred, and they also will impose the penalties. And at that point, U.S. equestrian is required to reciprocate the penalties, which means we we enforce it. So if they impose a permanent ban on someone for a violation, then we're required to enforce that permanent ban and disallow the person from participating in um, any U.S. equestrian-related activities, including attendance at um, at horse shows. Now, the center's scope of jurisdiction on exclusivity, it's just as to the sexual misconduct. Um, all of the other forms, so the bullying, the hazing, physical misconduct, harassment, any of those forms of misconduct that are non-sexual in nature, the U.S. Equestrian has jurisdiction over those. 
and they come through our regulatory process just like any other alleged rule violation. And on that web page that you're looking at, um, you should be able to see in there, you know, very clearly that, you know, here is where you report the sexual misconduct and then all the other forms, here's where you report. And in both instances, there's a way to report electronically. There's also um, phone numbers to call. So all of these reporting processes and resources are separate from local or state authorities. So this is all something that happens within the, the sporting community versus calling the local sheriff. Yes, that is correct. Um, it's also important to note, I mentioned earlier that the U.S. Center for Safe Sport was authorized by Congress in February. Um They also expanded um, a statute, and now there is a mandatory duty for all of our participants to report any reasonable suspicion of sexual misconduct involving a minor. So anyone that knows about or, you know, if if there's a reasonable suspicion, maybe a minor reported it or a minor tells their trainer that, you know, Um, their friend who's a minor told them that something occurred, then the trainer has a mandatory duty to report it to the U.S. Center for Safe Sport and also to the authorities. And that duty is imposed under federal law. And what Congress did in order to ensure that these reports are made is they have made it criminal um, not to report. So the question becomes, you know, well, what's the definition of a minor? Because as we all know, that's governed by state law. You know, in some states, um, it's 16 and some it's 17 and some it's 18. For purposes of the reports in our sport, a minor is considered any person under 18 years of age. The center can assist with uh, making the report to the authorities. That can be, that can be difficult for people. I've, I've had to make reports and Sometimes it's not real easy. It's cumbersome because you're trying to figure out which jurisdiction to report in and there's something that has to be reported. So there's always someone available to assist in making those reports well, to the authorities as well. Yeah, you're great. right. It can be very yeah. confusing and stressful for an already stressful and confusing situation gets worse. It's nice to know that the U.S. Equestrian has that resource available. Now, one more quick question before we run out of time, because the page is just chock-a-block full of stuff. Uh, talk mm-hmm. a little bit about the toolkits that you have. You At the bottom of the page, you have additional resources that you can download for free. And I found the mm-hmm. toolkits really interesting. Sure. So the toolkits, those were just put up um, here in the last um, several weeks. And again, it's the U.S. Center for Safe Sport that has produced these toolkits. They are for parents, and what's wonderful about them is they are, they've been produced um, based on the age. So it would be, you know, school-age kids, high school-aged kids, so that they're giving you some resources um, that hopefully would be helpful depending on the age of the kids you're dealing with. In October of this year, um, there's going to be a video, a training that will be released that is appropriate for minors. We will be making that available to all of our members, and we would encourage all the minors to take it with parental consent. So we will be pushing that out in October of this year. Excellent. So, Sonia, one more time, can you tell us where um, our listeners can find um, the Safe Sport page again and, and all the information? Yes. 
Sure. Yeah. So you can go to uscf.org backslash safe sports right on the homepage, USCF homepage at the top. There is a bar. You click on the bar and it takes you to all of those resources. We try to make, we try to remove as many barriers as possible to reporting. Um, again, there's always someone there to um, assist. You can go directly, and we encourage people to go directly to the U.S. Center for Safe Sport. But if someone comes to U.S. Equestrian with a report, then we will facilitate and assist with making that report. But but U.S. Equestrian wants everyone to know that if they are a victim of abuse or suspe- suspect abuse of any kind, there are resources and people to help them and that they are not alone. Exactly. Well, Sonia, thank you so much for coming on. This is uh, such an important topic and um, really uh, impressed with um, the website and, and really how well organized it is. And everybody should go take a look at it and, and look at the toolkits as well. So thanks for your time tonight, Sonia. Well, thank you very much. Right after this commercial break from Kentucky Performance Products, we're going to come back for, with Bryn Bowen from the USDF. The sun is just peeking above the tree line as you walk into the barn. You grab your horse's halter off the hook and head out to the field. The dew shimmers in the sun as you walk across the damp grass. You call his name and his head comes up as he walks toward you looking for the apple in your pocket. You take your time grooming, enjoying the peace and quiet in the empty barn. A refreshing breeze greets you as you start down the tree-lined path. Your horse ambles along on a loose rein as you both enjoy a relaxing ride. The feeling you get on an early morning hack is why we do what we do at Kentucky Performance Products. This feeling is brought to you by Microphase. Fill the nutritional gaps in your horse's diet Microphase vitamin and mineral supplement is a low-calorie way to provide your horse with the vitamins and minerals missing from their diet. The horse that matters to you matters to us. Well, tonight for our USDF segment, we are so happy to have Bryn Bowen, Senior Competition Coordinator for the United States Dressage Federation. Bryn, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. We are so happy to have you, and I know you from the USDF Regional Finals and the National Finals. I get to see you there quite often, which is always fun. But you're tonight, we're going to talk about the Adult Amateur Equitation Program. What is it? How do you get involved? We'll let you take it away for us. Yeah, so the USDF Regional Adult Amateur Equitation Program is USDF's newest program designed to recognize adult amateurs competing in equitation. There will be one USDF Adult Amateur Equitation Regional Final Class that is held in conjunction with each of the nine USDF Regional Championships. And any adult amateur competing at any level can participate, and the way they would qualify to participate in this regional final um, would be one of two ways. So adult amateurs can qualify to participate by earning a score of a 70% or higher in any dressage and equitation class, with the exception of a walk trot equitation class that's held at any USDF licensed slash USDF recognized dressage competition. They can also qualify to participate by simply qualifying for the regional championship classes, um, except for freestyle. So they, if they're qualified for regionals, they can participate in this new equitation class. 
um, at the regional competitions. Wow. So anybody, anybody that qualifies from a regional can go say that again, because that's important. Sounds like a lot of people can participate. Yeah. I'm like, say that again. Yes. So all you need to do to participate in a USDF adult amateur equitation final regional final class is qualify to participate in the regional championship. So if, so if you're qualified to participate in a regional championship class, you are qualified to participate in the USDF adult amateur regional final class. Or an adult amateur can earn a 70% or higher in any applicable dressage sheet equitation class at a USDF recognized competition. All right. So how what, what is an equitation class? How is it different? How are they run or a, a, or a seat class? Like I don't I'm 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 from up north, so you're going to have to explain yeah. what yeah. you know, I enter the class, I, I see it. It's a it's a class offered at my at, at the regional competition. I want to enter it. What am I to expect? Okay, so an equitation class is actually different from say a training level um, class. It's um a group of riders all go into the arena at one time. It can be held in either a dressage arena or just an open arena that the competition might have there. Um, and they are judged on, the rider is judged on their equitation um, and they are asked to basically just do do your flat work. It's like a flat, a flat class essentially. So they'll be judged at the walk, um, trot, rising and sitting, um, their can't, you know, cantering and then their transitions through all the gates, um, as well as their diagonal. They can be asked to do particular tests, which will include movements through first level. Um, And the judges are judging only the rider. And then afterwards, the judges may choose to speak with the riders and give them a critique, which I know after speaking to a lot of adult amateurs, they really enjoy that aspect of this class is actually having some, potentially having some one-on-one time to hear comments from the judge as opposed to reading them off of their score sheets. Um, I know that's one thing that competitors really enjoy in competing in these equitation classes, because in normal dressage classes, they don't necessarily speak with the judge per se. They're, they get a test sheet back, which they still do for the equitation classes, but they get to have a conversation, if you will, with the judge as opposed to simply reading their comments and their scores. So I know that's something that a lot of competitors really enjoy, um, and that isn't something that you would get from a normal dressage test, if you will. So each each individual rider will also get a, a score sheet back. They, you know, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah. um, they at least get to look at their scores. I'm not. Oh, okay. After seeing seeing, they do get to look at their scores, and they get they typically it's not required, but they typically will get some oral feedback from the judge. Whether or not there's a physical score sheet that they can pick up and take with them, I couldn't say for sure. But I yeah. do. They there is a score sheet that they are able to look at and see from the judge, as well as that potentially a correspondence with the judge after the class. It is in the USDF requirement for the judges to speak with the riders after the classes, but typically they do. Yeah, that's cool. Those are, those are actually, it's like a lot of people say that from the young horse classes, <laughs> depending on their feedback. No, I'm kidding. But sometimes it's really <laughs> nice to hear judges feedback uh, right there. So, so talk to us about the horses that you need for this program. It sounds like you're in a group, right? You are in a group setting. So if you, if you have a horse that isn't used to riding in traffic, 
it may not necessarily be the class for you. But that being said, you also don't need a big fancy warm blood to compete in this class. Um, you you can you can be one of those riders that's been competing in the intro test on you know something maybe a little less fancy than those warm bloods that we see in the Grand Prix and SEI levels. Um, be, and still be competitive in these equitation classes because it is judged on the rider. So the horse doesn't necessarily play into it. It's purely judged on the rider and the rider's equitation and effectiveness of their aids. So I, I've spoken with a lot of adult amateur competitors who are very excited about this opportunity because they have, you know, something that may be a little less competitive in the sure. other classes that is extremely competitive in an equitation setting because they are that horse is able to give its rider an opportunity to just show off their wonderful riding skills as opposed to I don't want to say anything yeah. discriminatory but as opposed no. to trying to take a thoroughbred say in a Grand Prix class sure no that. I think that, that what's yeah, fun I think about people this, get the point yeah. of yeah they get the mm-hmm. point of it yeah. right it's you know um, and I have nothing against a, those thoroughbreds or quarter horses. That's what no, I grew up on. Be very PC. Be very PC. No, no. Yeah. I think, well, actually, some of them may be better because of their movement, right? I mean, you want, that's why Absolutely. I asked that question because, you know, you need, this would be a class that you want to look good on. You want to look the best you can. So pick the horse that you're, you're sit well on or that you enjoy or your horse that you enjoy. Uh, that's, that was kind of where I was going with this question, but yeah. they knew yeah. need to be good in groups. So that, that yeah. is, you yeah, are going to be out there be, in a They group. do need to be good in, in a group yeah. setting. Um, it's not like your typical dressage test where you're the only one in the arena. You are going to be in a group setting. Um, so you're, it, it would definitely be good to practice um, riding in that group setting. Yeah. Get your friends together. Get your friends together. Walk trot canter around exactly. in, the, in, in an arena. In the arena. Excellent. So, um, exactly. so when you go to the regional championships, uh, is there a national class at this point or is that coming maybe in the future there is not at this time there's just the regional final class that's being held one one at each of the nine regional championship classes um at this time there is not any discussion for advancement into say a a, a national final at say the u.s dressage finals but i think depending on how this program grows and how the interest in this program grows that would definitely be something um, or a topic of discussion at the USDF office as far as expanding it into a national competition opportunity um, at a competition like the U.S. Dressage Finals. Excellent. That sure. is. I think for any good. new program, they they want to see that people are are going to yeah, participate, participate. That it would be competitive, right? And, yeah. and there would be need for it. So. I think with the, these things, it's like, you know, get out there and do it right away. Get out there and do it. Exactly. If, if it's not supportive, Absolutely. they're not going right. to host it, right? Right. They're going right. to spend this, resources on something is, else. Yeah. And this program is still, still in its infancy. We are really excited about it. And we're getting a lot of feedback from adult amateurs about it because, you know, it's something that's just for them. And I think a lot of times the adult amateurs, as, as an adult amateur myself, you know, we look for opportunities where we don't. <laughs> We don't have to compete against all the open riders just to get recognition. So this is something I think that a lot of adult amateurs will really enjoy and get recognition for just good riding. Yeah, it's fantastic. Which is which is the highlight, you know, which is the purpose of this program. I love it. Well, Bryn, thank you so much for coming on this episode and talking to us about the Adult Amateur Equitation Program. If our listeners have any questions, how can they get a hold of you? 
they can call me at the USDF office or shoot me an email. Um, the email address that you would want to send any questions or inquiries to would be competitions at usdf.org, or they can call the USDF office. My direct line is 859-276-7886. Fantastic. Well, Bryn, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Well, Phil, right now with this weather, we are all loving our synthetic shoulder relief girth that is antimicrobial. You can hose it off because everybody's <laughs> so sweaty that, man, I just, I love this girth because it, it is really, really good for, we, I use it on a lot of horses in training and it is awesome. So I don't know about you, but it is really hot. And we're really sweaty. Everybody's really sweaty right now. We're, so. not, we're not really that hot up north, but we're we're warm for Canada. We're warm for Canada. How about we okay. say that? And the horses, they are sweating, and we are using that synthetic girth. And, uh, you know, we love to get the fit that the shoulder relief girth mm -hmm. gives you and a little bit lower price point and sort of a great everyday girth that, like you said, you can hose it off. You don't have mm -hmm. to worry too much about fungus, you know, mm -hmm. growing on the girths and stuff like that. So, um <laughs> It's great for this weather. It's great for all weather, but it's yeah. super great for, for a little bit warmer weather when we, you know, we're just going great guns and, you know, we're trying to get all the stuff done, you know, all the horses done in one day. And it can be difficult if you're, you know, having to, to clean leather girths a whole lot. So synthetic growth is a great idea. And like I said, a great price point for, you know, somebody who wants to try out the shoulder relief girth that has all the great shape and, you know, wants to hold your place in the right saddle. I, I think this is a great option. Yeah, agreed. I absolutely agree. So uh, as always, we can't thank Total Saddle Fit enough for all their support. And if you have any questions, totalsaddlefit.com and they can really, really help you out. So we love it. So broaden, kids. <laughs> <laughs> This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, Phil, it is time. We need a drum roll because we are announcing our third book club book right now. So we are really excited. This is actually, I would say this is my personal favorite book um, when it comes to um, dressage books. And we are actually going to honor Walter Zettel, who is, uh, we'll, we'll give you his bio here in a second, uh, but he just passed away. And his book, Dressage in Harmony, From Basic to Grand Prix, I think is a book that that really everybody should read. It's my favorite book. Um, it goes through the pyramid of training and uh, was probably the first book I ever read that really explained theory in a relatively easy and concise way. So I just, I wanted to do that and he passed away and I was, I was very lucky uh, myself that I got to ride with him uh, at a USDF symposium right when this book came out. And he gave us all copies and he was just one of the kindest and gentlest trainers that I had ever seen. And I was pretty young when, when it came out and, and when I did this and I for sure was a young rider because uh, it came out in 1998. And I just remember it was just a really wonderful experience and really was the beginning of sort of opening my eyes to dressage theory, if that makes sense. So, Phil, tell us, you've got Mr. Zettel's bio. Could you tell us a little bit about him? 
Well, um, a lot of people in, in my area know all about uh, Walter Zettel because he moved to Canada from Germany in 1981 and managed the, the a very renowned and prestigious dressage farm, barn, IESS, owned by Hans and Eva Marie Prack. You know Eva Marie Prack because she served on Canada's Olympic team and her daughter did as well. So Walter Zetter had a long history, uh, 1981, that's when I was born, so... I'm going to call it a long history, <laughs> 36 years in Canada. He died on June 7th of this year, 2018. And so I'll just give you a little bit. He was born in 1929. Uh, he began his writing career in 1945. And in 1950, at the age of 21, Zettel became the youngest person ever to be awarded the German Federation Gold Riding Medal. He was a dressage rider, a jumping rider. He was selected to compete for Germany's dressage team at the Helsinki Summer Olympics, was was ruled to be a professional, and at that time, professional riders were not allowed to compete in the Olympics, and so he was in, ineligible. Um, a lot of riding accomplishments in Germany, and, and then he moved to Canada in 1981. He coached a lot of young rider teams, so there's a lot of people with, uh, with experience with uh, Walter from young rider teams. Inventing, he, he coached the Los Angeles uh, Summer Olympic th- Canadian three-day event team. You know, just a long history. A lot of Americans uh, rode with Walter. He's influenced mm-hmm. Linda Pirelli, you know, with his uh, really compassionate. Everybody talks about his compassionate approach. And the book that we are reviewing, the Dressage and Harmony book, book is basically a manual for anybody um, learning dressage, uh, really strict to the German dressage approach. So, like you said, talks about all of the things we talk about on the show all the time. The, the pyramid of training, the exercises, and it goes through the how, the why, you know. So we're really, really looking forward to to reading this book again. And for anybody who we're introducing to this book, I think that I think they're really going to enjoy it. Like I said, it's basically the manual of dressage, and uh, and he had such a great approach with riders and people. I think it come acro- it comes across in the book as well. Um, so you know, pick up the book. Yeah, you can get it. Where, where can we get the books? Trafalgar well, Square sure. Production. Yeah. Yep, Trafalgar Square. Amazon carries it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we're going we're gonna to find an auditor who will review this book with us in another month. Yeah, I love it. So I hope everybody enjoys this one for sure. So that is our total Satafit tip of the week. Getting ready for our book club next month. Well, Phil, that was a super fun show. And as always, everybody, we love email, Facebook shout outs, calls, emails, whatever you want to do to get a hold of us and how we can help you on your journey of dressage. Because it is a journey. It is not, it's, it's not a sprint, is it, Phil? It takes a lifetime <laughs> a, to complete it's a marathon. A, well, it takes two <laughs> lifetimes to become a good rider. That's what yeah. I heard somewhere. Somebody told me that. And I think <laughs> it's, it's probably true. More than true. Yeah. yeah. More than true. I love it. Well, as always, we're here uh, and we love helping out in any way we can. So um, this is the USDF show this week. So the United States Dressage Federation is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit USDF.org for more information. The USDF is the online destination for dressage. You can find our show notes to today's show and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook or search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. 
I think the best way to find me is on Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a good show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will talk to you next week. 